Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Laughter is the Best Placebo. I'm comedian Simon Kane, and this is the podcast that hopes to shine a light on mental health issues one at a time. In this episode I'll be talking to comedian Tony Law about his drink and drug and substance abuse and how that resulted in him losing gigs and blowing big opportunities like TV spots and tour shows. We covered how he got into comedy, why he got clean and the journey between the two. Quick trigger warnings. As I said, uh, we'll be covering drink, drug and substance abuse in quite a bit of detail those are the main triggers but truth be told there's probably other things in here that could be triggering so i'm going to treat you like an adult i'm going to assume that if you're this far into the episode you have realized the kind of show you're about to get yourself into if at any point you don't feel like you can listen anymore please don't quick disclaimer nobody involved in this show is a doctor or a medical professional this show is not here to be a substitute for actually getting help it is meant to open up the discussion and make it easier for people to discuss and see that everyone has mental health issues and you're probably not alone in yours if you'd like to join the growing community of podcast listeners please join the facebook group just search laughter is the best placebo on facebook obviously if you're new here please do hit the subscribe button if you're old here please do consider giving the podcast a review in itunes but now without any more delays this is tony law noah first came to the uk in 1990 okay but i didn't do comedy uh, until 1999 no i did i did one gig in 1995 I won the Glastonbury New Act competition, and then I didn't do another gig. I did uh, f- just the odd gig here and there, and then 1999 I started. Were you how you would be known now when you started? No. Okay. No, you mean uh, w- nobody knew me? No, but you're you're known My now style? for surreal and style. And- oh, uh, yeah. At first I was, but then I wasn't getting booked. <laughs> <laughs> And then, so I sort of really tried to change, and I was terrible at it, but I tried to do, like, Ed Byrne-type stuff, but Ed Byrne's really good at that, and my mind doesn't work that way. Yeah, and then I struggled for ages. I was So I was doing comedy I didn't like, not getting anywhere, and do, I had to do jonglers and stuff like that, trying to do it the way that they say you should do it. And uh, so I was I was struggling along, and then I committed to it, and I didn't have any other income so I was in this weird uh, I was in a place where I needed to make rent and so I needed to be successful on stage but I wasn't so I was getting away with gigs being the worst act on the bill but still getting paid and sometimes I'd have to do short if I was dying of my hole so 
So they would dock my pay. Oh, it's just a nightmare struggle. And then, uh, then after coming up to Edinburgh, I slowly got the idea of um, I should just really do what I think is funny and see how that goes. And then that, then, then I started, but but didn't didn't really have the bravery to commit. Uh, but yeah, so around um, I'd say two thousand five six, I started just really talking about time travel and dogs and stuff. But the main uh, time, I suppose, was when in 2010 or 9, I was just going to quit. So I just saw I'm not getting anywhere. And um, so I had one last roll of the dice and phoned Tommy from the stand. And he offered me a slot at 7.30 at night or noon at the stand. Uh, at that time, it was, it was a counterintuitive decision because nobody was going on at lunchtime over there. I mean, Kitson did an early show once, but he already had a following. So, yeah, so I went at noon, and then I, my first gig there, no press, no posters, none of that, just uh, word of mouth, and I started with one audience member uh, in stand two, and then by the end of the fringe, I'd built it up, it was selling out that little room, 58, and then the next year went into stand one, sold that out, and then, so just word of mouth really built, so built a following year after year after year at the stand. And then um, I sort of, and I won't go into it too much because it's boring, it's a different conversation, but I sort of uh, took my eye, or I, you know, got sick, let's call it, for, and 2014, 15, it just snowballed out of control, and so I needed a change, so I made a change and uh, got clear head and decided to move away from the stand this year, and I'm at uh, assembly rooms to try out nighttime. You know, and uh, compete with everybody on a level playing field. <laughs> uh, but I don't know what I'll do next year. So that was a long answer to that question. Yeah, I just asked how you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, fair enough. Just wanted to get her done so we can get on to the good stuff. So, wait, so, so your first fringe, when was your first year up here? Uh, first one I did 2000. No, I did uh, Comedy Zone 2000. Okay. And then I did uh, 2003, I did a solo show. Then I did a solo show 2006, 2007, and none of them really took. I didn't really know what I was doing, and um, I didn't commit really to my, what I like. Right. So I'd say my, for me, although it's not exactly, is 2010's kind of my first one, because I just threw, just said, ah, I'm gonna do what I think. I did, did that and wore my onesie and, and uh, incorporated terrible dance and and uh, poetry and and uh, and mime and all kind of just chucked everything I could think. So bas my thing was is my wife is very she's a photographer and she's she taught me about art and she just opened up a whole new world to me that my farmer brain had never really had. And I so I just started cherry picking and then we had children and started to go to kids shows and. Started um, messing around with lighting and and just pouring everything in. And you know, when you see someone like the Bush or Munnery and those guys, you realize you can do anything you want. So um, that's when I really just committed to that. And I think that's what found me a bit of a following. And uh, in terms of keeping in touch with the following, so, so let's say that you, you're 
uh, who you are now. Yeah. Like, let's because I, I look at my life in seasons. So like, oh, yeah. you know, up to age thirteen, that's season one. Yeah. Like uh, thirteen to eighteen, season two, yeah. that kind of thing. So let's say that the le the most recent season started in two thousand and ten for you. Yeah, that would be closer to my season of uh, between one and twelve, and say twelve and fifteen. Okay. And I'm a little bit of fifteen to nineteen. Those all those okay. seasons all have a lot more in common with the, my recent season than anything in between. How do you mean? Well, I think between the ages of 20 and 30, I wasn't, uh, I, d I don't, uh, I didn't, I wasn't in touch with my more sort of crazy imaginative side. Well, mind you, I was traveling all the time around Europe. I worked as a tour manager where I lied about having a degree because you needed a degree in history. Uh, but in those days... To be days, a tour manager? Yeah, to oh. be, like to take, you know, the 18 to 35s, Contiki oh. tours. And, yeah, because you needed to know um, where you had to do these history spiels and stuff. But, you know, I was self-taught and I winged it. And I, I was good, good at the... Anyway, so what am I talking about? Yes, there. <laughs> uh, we're, we're talking, we're seasons! Yeah. Yeah, so this recent season is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. This is almost like a start of a another season, even. Okay. I don't so know. Like 2016 is because you've you've yeah, made a change this year. I made year. a change in yeah. uh, at the end of last year's Edinburgh when I realized I couldn't continue uh, being a father and a comedian whilst also drinking alcohol and the rest. Um, well, I I didn't just realize it then. I'd realized it. <laughs> A couple of years before, and 2012-13, I was getting a lot of success. It was right about then. For, I, it was taking me over, and I knew the whole time I was going to have to find a way out. So I finally got out of it after Edinburgh last year, and went in and finally moved to got to the country and fixed myself up. And it was awesome, hard, because I was getting all that. I was going through. I had a bunch of psychosis going on. Which is uh, humbling and uh, opens your mind, yeah. uh, but it had to be done. And so, anyway, blah blah blah. No, I get and it. And now I'm back to being at the best I can be. No, I get it. I um, I've got to a stage in in my life where I don't I don't just date people on the attractiveness anymore. Uh -huh. And I I do well, life I've been experience. For, I've been yeah I've been there for a while now. But yeah. I do a joke in my current show about how I'm not attractive enough to be this emotionally unstable. <laughs> yeah. And how I've got to like either get some new shirts or work on my mental health. Uh -huh. And uh, and I got a new yeah, shirt. Yeah. I I, I, kinda, <laughs> I was I had um, allowed booze and drugs to uh, le led me to believe that I was uh, actually all right that I didn't have any mental health issues. Yeah, the filter. You know, this yeah. full bo bollocks confidence of, yeah, I'm all right, I just let, you know, I'm a bit cavalier, I'm a bit of a, uh, but I'm, but yeah, and then only getting uh, sober, you realize, oh no, you're just as mental as everyone else. Yeah, yeah. If not a little more. Because <laughs> you're adding to it. Yeah, yeah and, but my set has become even, like it's gone right out to the, edges of what it was at its best in say 2012 13 mental and i really like it's very exciting for it to be just i think cleverer you know i think it goes to m way more interesting places there's like a to me there's a, at the end of the hour there's a whole thread linking it it's not it's very metaphorical and it's more like an album yeah. of music than it is a thread or a narrative but uh yeah so i get a lot out of that. I get a lot of therapy out of it, yeah.
Yeah, that's 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 what I find from shows that I've done. The, the, they walk away with, so they'll forget about the the joke. They might remember the odd yeah. line here and there, but they'll go away with the story that you left them with. Yeah, you know what I mean that's that will stay. Yeah, with mine mine will be yeah, and even mine won't be like a direct or true exactly true story, but there'll be snippets of real life, and I I, get, I like to think they go away with just a general feeling. Mm. And uh, someone tweeted me today said because I do a thing about my car, and um, he said that I've done some reverse advertising because everywhere he goes. He's been seeing that car and thinking of me. Right. And I thought, yeah, that's quite a clever thing. <laughs> reverse, reverse advertising. Yeah, so I hope people go away with a, a feeling, a general feeling of uh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to have to pull this out so soon. I hate the French. Oh, oh I've never liked the French. With their perfume ads, putting them on over here. Oh, oh, sexy. See, I don't even know enough French to mock them properly. Oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, turns out we're getting our own back, yeah? All our advertising. I was over in Paris the other day. I haven't been. It was eight years ago, but let's stay with it. I was over there, and we got our own back. Turn on the adverts over there. They're all in English. Yeah, they're all like, ooh. Ooh, fuck me, I fucking stink. Oh, fucking hell, I'm fucking rank. What got you into drinking? Was it just the lifestyle of being a comedian? What no, no, I'd started way before. I'd sp when I was about 15, just because it was fun and it felt great. It just felt good. So I think the usual social anxiety and grew up in a farm in the middle of nowhere, spent all my time alone mostly. So suddenly socializing at 16 was like, this is terrifying, but it's not now. Hey, fun guys here. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just uh, managed to do jobs or put myself in places where that was viable. Yeah. Like as a tour manager, oh, I have to have a drink after every day or with, the, you know, they're on holiday. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, and just crazy. Yeah, but people say, um, what was the one moment? I've, I've had. I would say actually thousands of moments where I should have stopped falling off a second floor balcony, etc. I don't want to be one of those bores. That, and I don't think I'll ever even do a show about it because I think it's just so much of it that I'd never do it justice. There's so much bad choices and poor behavior, <laughs> along with good, that it, I would I, it would take like maybe 10 shows and that's kind of boring to me. Yeah. I'd rather just get on. I'm really excited about seeing what my imagination can do for me and what I can steal from my children because they're seven now and they're coming up with some wacky stuff that I'm just nicking. So I actually I've got so technically that is your time. idea. I mean yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah in a way it's yeah, mine yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah and I'm just trying to get the most out of my wife and my children now and make up for lost time and and follow their wonderful streams of consciousness and mentalness and just hope and pray that they're much more solid than me when they get older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I pre I'm pretty sure they'll, uh, they know enough of daddy to see what's good daddy. <laughs> what's bad daddy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sleepy well, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Love danger. Hey, Starbucks, Starbucks, keep your lids. <laughs> ah, ah, oh, fuck, that's hot. Oh, how did they get this so hot? I think they put some of the sun in this one. Ah. You might be feeling dangerous yourself tomorrow. You might think to yourself, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to go to Starbucks coffee shop, get myself a takeaway coffee with no lid. <laughs> Forget it. The man won't let you. Oh, he'll let you have a mug talk coffee. They'll let you do that. Yeah, because it's got, it's got a handle on it. They'll trust you with that. But if you want a paper cup takeaway one with no lid, forget it. They won't let you. And I'm like, I don't want no lid. And they're like, sorry, sir, it's company policy. You have to have takeaway coffee. It's got to have a lid on it. If you're going to leave the premises, sorry, it's company rules. They had a meeting in Seattle. And I'm like, fucking bitch, I don't want no fucking lid. She's like, sir, you don't have to speak to me in such a 1970s racist sort of way. I'm like, don't job talk me, motherfucker. Shit. I'm moving on up, sucker. How was regaining the trust of promoters then? When you oh no, I don't it? think I have yet. Okay. Uh, um, I think some see that. I think in some uh, places, I was holding it together, so there was there's nothing to. And some people were like, "Well, we didn't even know because on tour I was on my own, so I was very. I had enough time in the day to get ready, and so I could hold it together for the show, you know, and do a really great show. And then the odd place more starting to happen more often, you just uh, let it go or, you know. Uh, but overall, you, because you're spending so much energy trying to keep your life together, that you're not going to be able to write a really great show. I mean, I think I gained, I had enough comedy chops and enough experience to be drawing off of previous writing and... Momentum. You know, yeah, momentum. And I had enough uh, improvisational skills, but I was giving every last ounce of myself and being empty. Uh, so I think it was the 2015 show last year really was the one where it was just a man right, right near the edge. And I think some, lots of people seemed to like it for that because it was really honest. It wasn't like, oh, poor me. It was more like going, I'm, uh, I'm still going, guys. <laughs> and uh, but I Somehow. think also my audiences this year are really relieved. Hmm. I think probably I shed some audience, you know, because I think it was there was enough sloppy shows and also it's probably hard to watch. So I'm 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 regretful about that because uh, only only on a very uh, super not super but on a simple career based level I've uh, you know had a, was really on the up and I really sort of fucked that a bit. Especially, and I think TV and stuff. But have I got news for you? I was always on my game when I went on that. Did uh, you like because you pre-wrote? Like I assume they no, told no. you the subjects and oh no, it was all 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 riffed on that show, which oh, okay. is why I thrived on it. Mm. I think any time I had to do preparation and writing is where I would struggled because I just didn't have the mental capacity at the time. Yeah. But if I could riff something, I could just get myself healthy for the for that. Mm. Uh, so that one and never mind the buzzcocks. There's no prep. Yeah. You just oh, have to cool. be well read, I guess. And then um, so those are great for me. So I don't think I burnt any bridges there. And I assume that well, never mind the buzzcocks doesn't exist now, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. But I mean, did that help exposure-wise then? Yeah, I think so. Not as much as you'd think. I think the main thing was uh, building an audience in Edinburgh, because I've noticed that you know when I go on tour around the provinces, but when I go on tour. I managed to get and build also by just relentless hard work touring. So even when I wasn't well, I was still out there every single year a tour. And so they they keep coming back. But I think you know the odd person from TV, but I think if you get people that see you on a TV show, they might come to one show, might not like it. But people who come to your live show, you build 
build that audience. So you've got a connection. And yeah, and my tours, I think, are I, I think I do well uh, because of that. Because there's other people with way more television exposure, but I don't think that they would be able to tour. I think they're surprised when they go out on tour and they go, "Oh, no one's here," or you know, maybe there's loads here and then none here. Yeah. Because I think they think maybe just getting on TV is enough to tour. But for me anyway, I think it's been the, the graft of being a good live act. And I was good even when I was ill. So I sort of, I think I pulled the nose of the plane up just in time. Right. And, I, and I could genuinely feel, like I've had a couple of like tough gigs this That's year. That's a good analogy. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. There's loads of airplanes in my show this year. So I'm wondering if subconsciously that's yeah. what I'm... Talking about, I do the airplane sounds and everything. <laughs> and one of them actually wipes me off my chair. Actually, just thinking about it now, I think that's what the, I do a mime bit of a man watching an air show. I think that's exactly what it is, mm. is me being knocked off the chair and then getting back up again. Wonderful. It's, it's like, you're so, uh, like you said, it's a bit of ther yeah. therapy. But I yeah. hate it when people say comedy's therapy. It's not, but it's, 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 uh, it's therapeutic. It's, Therapeutic, yeah. yeah. It, it's nice. It's yeah, just to have revealed that now. Gokwon! 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 He's not gonna just say Gok Wan over and over again, is he? Gok Wan! 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 No, Gok! You lost! <laughs> you see? I, uh. Yeah, I used to play badminton with Gok Wan in the late 90s. That's how he lost all the weight. You're welcome, ladies. What about like Russell Howard's good news? Because that was you doing stand-up, so I'm assuming that helps more than maybe a panel show. I'm not sure about that. You know what? I was crazy. That show came up right around the time when I was um, thinking of just quitting. So I wrote what I did on that show on the airplane coming back from South Africa. That was another thing. I got this advert for Sky that saved me financially, which allowed me to continue comedy. And they said, oh, you got Russell Howard's show and so on the flight back I wrote the set I did so I it never I hadn't honed it or learnt it I just did it in my mind maybe other people like it my mind I can't watch it because I, I think Jesus that's like doing new material on a TV show you moron yeah because yeah. I would never do that now yeah. but um so but I, th I think it definitely helped me a little bit I think I think Anything you do where you, you're just, if someone even just glimpses your face, it's just advertising reminds them you're there. They don't even need to see you on anything much. Just to let them, so just to let you know you're here. What was the Sky advert? Oh, um, I played King Arthur. Okay. You remember they did those? Yeah, uh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was King Arthur on the Knights of the Round Table. So it was, was that? It was my like first beard. I was growing a beard <laughs> in 2009 and 10 because I'd, given up you know and so, I just thought yeah. ah, eh, I quit and then um, luck as luck would have it they needed a beard <laughs> yeah. symbiotic and, and, yeah, Russell, yeah, yeah. and Russell yeah. Howard was the exact same time and then I managed to pay some debts and carry on 
so it, it was a case of you financially weren't doing well the circuit wasn't going very well yeah. this was 2009 I mean not now yeah, yeah. And, and an advert came up because a lot of, a lot of comedians object to doing adverts or, oh yeah or have that that's crazy I, 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 you gotta pay the bills haven't you and it just depends what it is I mean someone's gonna do an advert for Sky TV so <laughs> seems fine to me I watch it yeah. Uh, and and also how you come across it was a comedy role, so it's not gonna. I I I don't understand that at all. I think I think only very successful rich people are in a good position yeah. to go. Oh, I wouldn't do adverts. You say. I mean, I've seen I've seen big comedians. Oh, who was the one? It was a American talk show host a while ago. Did an advert for Doritos or something. Yeah. And you're like, why are you doing it? Well, if it's like, a, <laughs> if a millionaire's doing it, that's quite different. Mm. You know, if you're an act who needs the money. You know, maybe they've got lifestyles now that they need to pay for, but, but yeah, I mean, either way, you either do an advert or say that adverts are, are crap. If you're rich, you're, it doesn't, what, either way, you're, I don't listen to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have, you know, like if, if, if someone, I, I don't know, it's, there's nothing wrong with them. I'd do one in a heartbeat tomorrow if, it, if I didn't look like a tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it get, and it and it bought me time to continue doing the comedy I like. I, I think it comes down to can you sleep at night doing the advert? Yeah, exactly. That's it. You know what I mean? Simple as that. Yeah. I, and I mean, I've done a quick bit of maths in my head. Se seven years ago, you said your kids are seven. Yeah. So I assume 2009. Yeah, got, they were it got born harder because of kids. Well, in a way, it got harder, but else, but easier in a way because you've just got focused and. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. you're really people say that. committed to that. And yeah, there's no time for feeling sorry for yourself. Uh, yeah, so no, in a, in a way it was a gift to, yeah. Yeah. Get home early and, yeah. Hang out with them. Yeah. 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 Or, or at least see them to sleep. Yeah. yeah. So when, when you started properly building an audience for yourself, or the audience you have now at least. Yeah. What was your main method of trying to keep in I know you got like Twitter and stuff and you had a MySpace for a bit. I mean, um, how do you keep in contact with them? What's your... Um, I never really had a plan because I've, I'm, I'm, I, I've not been very good online or, you know, like that whole... I've never been a good salesman of myself in that way. Twitter was the first thing and I thought, oh, this is great. But I worry now that people have moved on to something else that'll take me so long to get... <laughs> Like, it's like learning too much admin to learn how to do another thing. Mm. But no, if people tweet me, I always respond to n nearly everyone. And when it was, Twitter was really hot a couple of years ago and everyone was on it. It would take ages, but I would always try and mm. keep in touch and all that. I'm not, not sure how much it does now. So no, I'm, I'm a bit out of the loop. I just, I think my way is to keep touring and then hopefully they see my face on a, so to always making new shows, yeah, yeah. and then that's my best way to stay in their consciousness. I think the only time you would uh, go away for three years is if you came out and you were all over the TV and you were just hugely successful, then you would have to stop for a bit because people get fed up. Mm. But I think at where I am, my level, there's nothing wrong with just churning it out. And I think people probably like to see what's coming up next. Yeah, would you, if you think, or you've said that like TV didn't do that much for you. Would you still do them? I mean, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't get booked for the amount. I mean, there's so many 
panel shows and stuff out there, I assume. I mean, I know of, I've never got mocked the week and that's not because I've decided not to do it, it's because they've never booked me. Right. And I don't think my agents even asked for a few years, but I'm really, really good on them. That's the thing is I think sometimes they see my stand up and think, oh, it's just surreal and he's crazy, he wouldn't. But actually it's, a, it's, it's not, uh, it's still doing a panel show as comedy chops I th and, and riffing and being able to riff. I'm brilliant on them and I don't mind saying it because it's comedy, it's just being a funny person. And you, it, it's not like uh, talking about orcas all the time or, or something weird. I can. I cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I can riff with anybody on, in a, and they're the easiest things on earth to do. So I'm always, I, I don't watch them now because I always get a pang of, of uh, well, I'm not on it. yeah, I'd be better than that. That's boring. That's cliche. Have you done one since getting clean? No, no. Do, do you think it would make an impact on? Yeah, your I think it would. I think I did really well on um, "Have I Got News for You," and I think if I did it again, I would, it would even be on a higher level and blow people's minds. But it'll take. It's going to take a little time to get back in there. But I would absolutely do. Looking, f I'm really looking forward to being given a chance to do things now because I know that I can bring a whole different thing. And it's regretful, of course, looking back, like especially things like um, auditions and stuff. I'd never learn lines when I went in. And like, it's, I got lots of adverts in 2010 when I was gonna quit because I was relatively uh, still quite healthy there. That was still in a, because the kids are new. And so for those three or four years. Kids are new, I like I that mean, phrasing. You, yeah. can, you can directly go, kids, uh, get healthy to get pregnant have children, raise them to three, all of my success comes right in that period. So clearly I was as close to sober as I'd ever been. Uh, and then it just got a hold of me. So it just like, I know it's, uh, it's so, it seems so obvious now, but sober equals better. <laughs> and, and then I realized, oh, I am good. You know, when, like, when you're kind of when I was bollocks and stuff, I'd just be so feely sorry for, I'm not very good, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I don't feel that anymore at all. But you, <laughs> you, you're probably making it worse on yourself because oh, yeah. the alcohol is a depressant. Terrible. So it would yeah. have... Yeah, it was really uh, just, I, instead of regretting it now so much as I did first while, I just think, oh, lost time. So I get a little bit too uh, anxious to get going. Mm. You know, I have to stop myself from like, going into the office and go, put me on. Mm. You won't regret it. Yeah, I have yeah. to, you know, remind myself to be cool, man. 
wait for it to come. <laughs> when you were going through that period, though, and and you were sort of maybe struggling with yourself a bit, not just like sort yeah. of, I don't mean on stage, I mean off stage as well. Yeah. Wh what was your relationship like with your agent? I assume it was getting a bit... Uh, yeah, no, I think my agent uh, show and tell it was bad because, well, I mean, he was my live guy, so he had to, um, I think he had some, he probably had some tough conversations with people to say, he's not coming, or my um, telly and radio agent was perfect, though. They were actually really supportive of my wife, and they were going to, you know, wanted to help fix it, you know, but I think the other... The other one, yeah, it must have been difficult for him, but you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it must have been, but yeah, yeah. And uh, I understand the whole not feeling sorry for yourself now and looking forward to to doing yeah. bigger things and stuff. I mean, when you, when you got sober, what was was the first thing? Just I'm going to write a show now. Not about mm, it, maybe. But was no, it? no, okay. no. It's just just white knuckling it, trying to keep upright. Yeah, because that was it was too much. It was uh, loads of other real life things to deal with. So I wasn't even thinking about comedy. And if I did, it was like, can I still? And I did the odd gig here and there and it was tough. Cause I just didn't, I didn't have any, uh, it was, I just wasn't very well. I, I suppose maybe towards the autumn, end of autumn last year, got a little, yeah, I, I did a tour in the spring, a little mini tour. And I started getting my love back for it and my skills back so that was good I kind of pieced together a tour of the show of last year but I did, couldn't really do that because I was not that so I took things from it and I, I suppose I did a, it, a little bit about my situation but not much but anyway I would say I'm about personally I think I'm two or three times better than I was even on that tour but it was still pretty good hmm. um yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Well, it's not funny, but it's it's a, it's a one. <laughs> do, you, do you? I did. Oh, I did a uh, recorded for uh, Go Faster Stripe. In we had this in plan to record last year's show in October, and I did that, and I was to struggle even getting to the venue. I was just not well at all, and so it's interesting. We're going to put that one, and then I did another show at McCunleth. In what's that March? Is that uh, yeah, I think so. That's the, that's the secret uh, festival, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah March time. So yeah. we're going to put that one. I recorded one there, which is, comp uh, and it was, it was supposed to be the same show as the one I did in October, but it's very different. I think it'd be interesting to. I won't be able to watch it, but I think it'd be interesting for other people to watch the one where I'm just a shell, and then the one where I'm sort of halfway back, which is way big improvement. And then so I'm going to put those two together and and uh, sell those at gigs <laughs> and then this one here record this one and it would be quite interesting from a mental health uh, <laughs> uh, aspect to watch the three of them progress yeah huh. do, do you think enough comedians invest time into their mental health and stability and and I don't know okay I know I didn't because there's a cliche of, you know, I mean, the lifestyle of, a, especially a touring comedian, is not the healthiest. And it can wane on you quite a lot mentally. I mean, I found, I, I've just come off yeah. tour, and it was my first one, and I found all the traveling, especially the late nights, and on your own, you know, you go a well, bit insane sometimes, you know? Yeah, I've, uh, when I was doing the, the, jungle, the circuit gigs and all that, I found that really hard. 
Um, I actually find it much easier doing tours on my own now. Actually, I've found a way to make it healthy of of getting there early and doing one thing cultural in the town. If you can, you know, I've made a way of. And also now I'm driving. I drive back from miles away because I'm in Canada. You can drive for nine hours and it's no big deal. So I I drive back and really get a lot from that. I've listened to a lot of audiobooks in this last while. <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, if I knew how to get those onto a device and then into my car speakers, I'd be doing that. But I'll show you after. You could show yeah, me, I'll, I'll show me show one you. day how I can yeah, gain fine. access to this wonderful internet. What's At it? the moment, I'm buying CDs. <laughs> when, we, when we go for the walk with your dog to do the other one, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll show you how to use it. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, no I have no idea how to get that into my car. It's an old car. It's surprising. Like, here's the thing. What I found really interesting is podcasting started at the same year that YouTube really took off. And right. if you look at YouTube as like a platform, yeah. that was almost the word you used for video for a while. You know what I mean? Like yeah, online yeah. video. Whereas podcasting, there's loads of people that don't even, re like you said, don't even know how to get it on their phone. Yeah. And it's, it just seems weird to me that those two things haven't evolved. Yeah. Well, uh, under one camp, probably. Yeah. If there was a U-pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, because like it's so disparate, I think. Yeah. I think you can become overwhelmed by it, by not knowing where to get stuff. And then you don't want to be the last person to the table at something. Yeah. And then, and also, it's, I find, this is a mental health issue, for a pro gentle one, though. It's like finding it hard to commit to anything because I'm afraid, it, am I going to waste too much of my time doing this? Or... If I get into this, am I missing out on something else? Is it better to just carry on reading my books and being... Uh, <laughs> it's almost like you protect your... Will I listen to something that I will... Will I feel like I should be doing it is one of my big worries. Yeah. And I don't want to <laughs> feel panic at, oh my God, I'm, I could be connecting with people with a podcast. I should be doing one. But um, it's the idea of uh, doing all the hard work of editing and all. That scares me because I think, when am I going to find time to do that? I'm trying to write a show. And also, for, so someone who knows what they're doing, that doesn't take much time. But for someone like me, it'd be like learning a new thing. So I have to find a way where I can just press a button, stick a mic in my face, and do 10 minutes a week. And just fire. You can show me that too. I'll show you that too. And then just fire out some crazy stuff. Because I'd love to do some, some uh, you know, like when I'm, especially walking my dog, I'd love to be able to just send out some of the things we talk about. You could do, yeah, you could do like uh, morning, mo yeah, yeah. Mornings with, with Wolfie and Morning Tony. With Wolfie, yeah. Like a news report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the things my dog and I have been talking about. Well, it's born here today then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you heard it here for, it's yeah. exclusive now. Yeah, I'll go through you, you can help me. Uh, no, I'm more than happy to help, and seriously. do all that Lincoln and stuff. The thing, the thing is, I, <laughs> I want, I, I think like there's never been a more level playing field for performers to find an audience online. Yeah. And, and to find uh, their own creativity without having like, you know, TV executives saying yeah, no yeah. or trying to jump through that. And so I'm yeah, more than happy I've, to help I've anyone. Sort of, yeah, because I've sort of not, I'm definitely of my group of generation. I'm very not very exposed to TV at all. Like I haven't been a, I just haven't ticked the right buttons. And I think when you're a Canadian act as well for TV, you your chances are very limited because they're only going to stick. Uh, you know, they'll have spots for one person on a panel show, and that that might have to be an English person or, or you know like. You're, you're way out, so you're right. Anyway, I was 
on the back of that. That that is the best way for all of us to, you know, because it's all of its TV can be what they need at the time. Yeah, you need one of these. It's one a fair of those narrative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. We can do what we. So my way has been just doing my live gigs over and over, and I should be able to combine it with this business. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, you know, you know. After, after people have seen me do stand-up comedy, usually the first thing they say to me is, Tony, you don't know how to do it right. But the second thing they often say to me is, Tony, have you got any ideas of what else you'd like to do? And I always say... <laughs> Are there any things you regret about the last sort of five years that you think, if I hadn't have done that or if I'd done that differently, I'd be here? Or, or you look at your peers and go, you know, oh, oh I wish... just drinking. Okay. Just that. Just the act of it. Yeah, without that, um, I would be way. It, I would be, you know, I was. I, I just sort of. Uh, just letting it flow and being at your best as things go, it would have. It was snowballing and still, still will in some ways and will get going and is in. And, and, you know, I haven't. But, yeah, if I had been sober all that time. I just would have been better every single audition, every single thing. So even if I came across really good on something, I would have been even better. And then that would have been, so it would have all snowballed. So yeah, absolutely the only thing I regret is drinking because I can't really look back at decisions and go, oh, I wish I had done that decision. I made that decision because I was just... Not thinking straight. Not, but yeah, just not, not being brave enough to yeah, look at yourself and... Fix or you know just accept yourself and ah blah blah blah. I, from what you've said, it's really inspiring because to go from doing stuff that you thought would just sell because you were just imitating I can't remember the comedian, but you were not imitating, but you were doing a similar thing to another comedian. Well, I was trying to do observational stuff that was slick. Yeah, for yeah. for a what I thought. Yeah, I mean it was a very short period and I was terrible at it. But yeah, I would try and. Uh, even my style, I would try and be first person, kind of, you know that. Yeah. I suppose, so, I suppose right. it helped that there were less comedians on the circuit as well that meant there were less competitions. Well, so. there was, mm, I don't know about that because there was way less gigs. So I felt there was more competition. So you're competing, like, it took me years and years and years and years to get a 20-minute spot at the comedy store. And uh, it felt, it doesn't feel any different to me as far as competition or wise you know it uh, that's because i was beginning then but it felt like it was jammed up with the amount of shows you were able to do now there seems to be so many more gigs running people start their own gigs and can get an audience through the through twitter and yada yada so it's just much better now isn't it <laughs> 12 years as a stand-up comedian doesn't seem like it but sometimes <laughs> dig deep in your toolbox tony You've done those gigs where it's mainly stag and hen Admittedly, you come off second best every time, but you see how the other comedians do it. You must have learned something. Come on, Tony, dig deep. You opened for strippers before. You were against that ethically, but damn it, you needed the money. Come on, Tony. Dig deep. You thought you were doing a cruise. It was a ferry. Come on, Tony. Do you remember your first gig after getting clean? Uh, yeah, that would have been that. Oh, the that. one we did. No, the one, oh. <laughs> yeah, the one, uh, uh, do, 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 the, when I record it. Oh, really? Yeah, that was, wow, well, that's, a that was hard. <laughs> that's the one to come back to. Yeah. Uh, so, 
And and did you find that your material? Because I would imagine if you're if you're writing material through a lens of whatever yeah. you were taking, yeah, to, to uh, say it again, to did say it, feel it again, like clear was uh, yeah, it was it was me going, wow, this is not funny. This is this is <laughs> only funny if you're bollocks, right? Uh, yeah, so you could see a man not delivering it probably, right, with any conviction. And I suppose that uh, I don't want to say didn't help, but I mean I suppose it would have been tempting to slip just just have a drink to slip back into what you oh, were. Oh yeah, yeah, to, but no, I'm, I'm, I've. I've definitely crossed that one. Right. You know? Yeah. Then there'd be no way. Yeah, it, exactly. That would have been the time. Mm. But no way. So, yeah, just just like like everything, isn't it? It yeah. always takes time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like your journey to, to, to learning who you are yeah. seems to have impacted on your writing as well. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I would say, yeah, I, I probably needed a dose of humbleness. I had a, a, even like it's, I had a crack at it even in 2001. I was on a panel show called Does Doug Know? And uh, the people that were on that, that went on were, uh, that, and no one, none of us were known at the time. But there was David Mitchell, uh, Reg Hunter, Jimmy Carr, uh, a few others, and they've just exploded. And I, I went through one of my uh, unhealthy phases right after that. Mm. It almost like it came every time there was success. Do you think you were so there was someone maybe I didn't like who I was, didn't think I deserved it or something, and there's some sort of uh, self-destruct thing snuck in. Um, so, the, but I can remember any time I used to, you know, keep it together and all. I, I always in the back of my mind was still a person who drank or whatever. Mm. Whereas the difference this time is I just can't bear it and it's done. And, you know? Yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you think you were scared of success then? Probably, maybe, yeah. Because I'm imagining, because you, you've spoken before in another interview where you said you didn't think that comedy was an option for you, but you maybe wanted to do it. <laughs> and as a result, like you said, if you're just a farmhand yeah, growing yeah. up, I suppose if anything went well, you might just go, oh, I've snuck into this club. And yeah, like, yeah, there probably some of that, yeah. I yeah. Must, there must have been some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you carry the farm around with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you take the boy out of the farm. Quite, but yeah, can. drag the farm around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to, I used to be scared of failure, and then I got really scared of success, and then yeah. I just got comfortable with whatever happens, happens. They're kind of the same thing, aren't they? Yeah. They're, well, yeah. I, th I think fear, fear of failure is similar to fear of success. There, uh, you, you, you try and uh, uh, protect yourself from both. That's that's kind of what I was doing. In in fact, terrified of dying, so would find a way to make an excuse for it dying. So almost like do something where I go, oh well, the audience didn't get it. So that saves me from hurting my feelings if it didn't go well. But that's just assuming it won't go well. Like what's nice about now is having no little corners, nothing, no little nooks and crannies. I'm not. I don't have a curtain behind me. I feel like I can see. 360 degrees so it makes you braver and then also you know care less in the about the minutiae the tiny things and just go for it yeah uh, I really need to improve my vocabulary but I know what I feel <laughs> yeah I, I yeah it's it's like I I know how I feel and I know how I know how I know how to deal with it but I can't tell people no no yeah, yeah. that's kind of features in my show this year too mm. is a lot I try and make I make a lot of fun of not being able to explain 
myself, mm. but having to do it through movements or sounds. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really nice uh, nice thing. And also, yeah, and you don't want to. I don't want to ever go down that road where I spend so much time. Like today, we are a little bit uh, finding the words to express things, and you think that would be so much easier to do it with a ribbon dance. <laughs> so um, we could have explained the whole thing. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, but you can't see audio. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. His ribbon dance pre-pod was outstanding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys missed out. Hey, you must come. Well, do you do a ribbon class? No, no, come to my show. Oh, we'll do yeah tonight or or I, yeah. I, when it, what time's it on eight? So, I said let's let's finish this and we'll, we'll I'll definitely oh sort yeah out yeah, yeah yeah sorry I've just really I'm gonna have to edit we, out yeah because I've got to go oh, to literally we've, yeah uh, oh and I'm selling a show in October at the Leicester Square Theatre is that is that this show or is this a new this one? show okay in October cool uh, some a week in October Leicester Square Theatre it's this show cool. at night time and I can't wait do you so what venue are you doing it here. Uh, I'm at the Assembly Mound okay. in Rainy Hall. Beautiful venue. And are you doing the main room in Leicester Square? Uh, yes, Leicester Square Theatre, yeah. Are you going to find... Because that's quite a, a different space um, to move well, it I, to. I, 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 I'm doing all right in London if we get the marketing right. Because I did... One year I did 32 Soho theatres in a row. Wow. So yeah. that... So I hit a lot of people then. And then I've also done four Leicester Square theatres in a row where they've sold out and then I did the underbelly cow but yeah it'll be hard to sell them all out but I think if we get the momentum right on the first one we could do it I was gonna say because word of mouth up here you you built that yeah and I assume that was that originally when you first came here like telling people please tell people or was yeah it just you know doing just it? just doing a great gig and people telling oh go see that so word of mouth here yeah but word of mouth here then bought me uh, an entry into the Soho Theatre right? and that I built up so I did uh, three gigs and then in the spring I did I did five and then the next year I did two weeks and then in the spring I did the Utterbelly Cow and then and then I did uh, 32 days at Soho Theatre then I did four at Leicester Square Theatre then I did two at the Utterbelly and so, actually, London, I've been building in the same way. Because yeah. people in London will come to you, see you at, like, short little gigs to, you know, trying out new material. But there's a kind of almost a different, not a different crowd, but there's, then people like to come see a full show in a theater. There's so I think I've built a London crowd as well. It's a different circuit. Yeah, I built, built a London crowd and built a, in different towns throughout the country, just from touring mm. as well. So Manchester and... And um, yeah, there'll just be the odd town where I really sell loads. <laughs> Is that why you put like your face on the poster each time? Because I think you got to, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I I would love to do all different things, but I try and try and put my face on it. I don't do it as much as some, you know. It's just bang. Yeah. Well, but yeah, you gotta have. <laughs> yeah, I try and have a little bit of the imagery I looked like last time. Because Although yeah, now I look different. Look, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Cause I might put two pictures on the next spot one. Spot the difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm this guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I was wondering if your look, because I remember when we gigged together, yeah. you, you, you'd obviously shaved and you'd, you'd made like a lot of differences in, yeah. in your appearance. And, and I didn't recognize you immediately. Yeah, and lots I was, of people don't. Yeah, and so I wondered if that's had an impact on people remembering. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, you used to get a lot more... Uh, talking to strangers in tubes and buses and stuff people now you might get the odd double take but yeah, yeah people seem to notice me more 
I suppose I missed that weirdly, even though it's kind of weird. No, but uh, yeah, yeah, the definitely you've, the image was pretty, pretty strong. <laughs> that Viking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I just wanted to shave in the new me. Hmm. I was hoping the sideburn would uh, might really be the next big thing. <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got one more question. Yeah. What is the biggest mistake you've ever made, and how did you overcome it? Alcohol. Okay, and rehab is how you Strength. Okay, <laughs> what is the? Okay, this is a split one, and it's the last question. What is the best bit of advice you have been given? And if you could give one bit uh, of advice to a comedian just starting out, what would you say? Uh, Ross Noble told me once, very early on, just do, don't. Uh, he he told me, don't do jonglers, don't do comedy clubs, just do what you want and keep doing it. Which I eventually came to that in two thousand and nine, ten. Uh, but he told me that way back when I started. Do you know, like, commit to touring and doing your own thing. Okay. And not trying to fit in to a thing. Okay. Yeah. That's what he told me a long time ago. Um, Boothby Graffo gave me some good advice one time at the comedy store when I was terrified. He said, uh, don't worry, you're probably going to be shit. <laughs> and that really made me so happy. And I had a great gig. Amazing. I'll never forget him for that. <laughs> and if you could give one bit of advice to a comedian just starting out. Don't worry, you're probably going to be shit. <laughs> and then you'll be good. Okay. But you'll be shit for a long time. Even okay. when you think you're good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was Tony. I always enjoy chatting to him. He's always open and honest and above all driven. Driven to be better, provide a better life for his family, which is great and admirable. And I love anyone who takes their issues and fights them head on. Congratulations on getting clean, Tony. If you'd like to see him live, you can find his tour dates on his website. Uh, you can actually also find a one-off special date that he's doing at Alexandra Palace. It's called Battle for Istopia, which is a comedy show on ice. I've got my ticket. It sounds amazing. It's on the 14th of October and it stars him as well as the whole Weirdos Collective. That's the name of the group of people, by the way. I'm not just calling people weirdos. Uh, that would be a bit bad in a mental health podcast, wouldn't it? Um, if you would like to support me, I'm currently on tour and I'm about to come to Bath, Bristol and Cardiff and a bunch of other tour dates in Ireland and Nottingham and more. All details are in the show notes of this episode. Any and all support will be massively appreciated. If you'd like to send myself or Tony some lovely messages, you can find our Twitter handles in the show notes. Be nice. Say something nice to the guest. They've given up their time. It really helps out the show as well because it shows there is a community of listeners to the guests. What I was most proud of in that episode was I took stand-up clips from Tony before he got sober and clips from after he got sober uh it was pretty easy to map out because he told me the sort of point where he'd recorded a dvd and the sort of yardstick there meant that i had to just find clips that were pre and post that uh so for me it's quite nice to listen back to because it's like a progression of his stand-up and him as a person throughout the episode i thought i'd tell you about that because i didn't feel like it's that obvious to most people listening to it when i had the proof listen so uh yeah i'm really proud of sort of the way the podcast progresses as he progresses if you like this episode and you'd like to hear more, please do hit the subscribe button as there'll be another one in a just under two weeks' time. Also, if you could give the show an honest review, ideally positive, uh, in iTunes, I'd be forever grateful. It really helps out with the charts and makes the show look better to people thinking of giving it a go. Uh, we got into the top ten of the charts. Uh, can we do it again? Uh, please. 
share the link with people that would really help that happen and if you've got a spare pound just a pound floating around in your bank or in your paypal and you want to financially support the podcast please do it's at simonkane.co.uk i'd massively appreciate it and uh, every every donation really helps no matter how big or small laughter is the best placebo was a fruit that got in gravity's way production for the internet all elements were created by me comedian simon kane except the music that was composed and recorded by david jordan thank you very much for listening thank you very much for donating and thank you very much for sharing if you do i'll see you all in about 14 days time bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.